just a little reminder. Um, I, I like how somebody put this on Facebook. Armed Forces Day is for those still in uniform. Veterans Day is for those that have hung up their uniform. Memorial Day are for those who never made it out of their uniform. When uh, I started marching in Memorial Day parades in 1961, uh, and I, I did that for six years, wonderful turnout in our community. Uh, as a matter of fact, in, in those parades, uh, the first group starting out to march were the Spanish-American War veterans. Then came the younger guys from World War I. Then came the uh, young men from World War II and a few youngsters from Korea. Uh, the United States was just becoming involved in Vietnam. And I will tell you that uh, after about two years after I got out of high school, I had lost uh, eight classmates. Four of them were killed in Vietnam. And four more were killed in highway accidents, uh, some of them by their foolishness and drunkenness. But uh, what a sobering reminder. Memorial Day is remembering those that died defending our country. Uh, I think I shared some uh, letters, a couple of letters from my great-granddad's brother, Home. Uh, he was in the Civil War. His name was William Asher Churchill. His remains are buried in the Pontiac Cemetery. And he died in the Battle of Antietam in September of 1862. Uh, his letters home were preserved, and I still have those. They're, they're a treasure, just a treasure. Memorial Day. Uh, before I jump into 1 Timothy chapter 6, let me share one more, one more thing with you. Uh, we were privileged to go to the UP this past week. Uh, part way up, the truck began to make some noise, and I said, that does not sound good. It's a Saturday afternoon. There are no mechanics working Saturday afternoons, and we're on the road anyway. So Mary Jean and I prayed specifically that we'd be able to make it to the motel where we had reservations in St. Ignace. Uh, late Saturday afternoon, we pulled into the motel parking lot with this making a terrible noise. Went in to check in, and I told the uh, lady that checked us in about that. She said, oh, my, my husband was a car dealer for a number of years. Let me have him come out and listen to it. So he came out, and he listened to it. And he said, it's a belt problem. If I were you, I would not drive that another mile. And we started it up. He even had a gauge to check things. And uh, as it's running, all of a sudden it goes, Well, I was scheduled to preach in Engadine. That's 49 miles west of St. Ignace. And so I called uh, Brother Dale Moore and said, uh, 
brother, we're, uh, we're stranded in St. Ignace. Now, we're right across the street from Lake Huron. We can see Mackinac Island. It, it's a pretty spot to get stranded. He said, I'll be there at 8.30 to pick you up for Sunday school and church. And, uh, we, we had a wonderful time. After, uh, after church was over, we had a dinner with the, fam- the church family there in Engadine. And uh, Brother Dale said, well, uh, I've got two vehicles. Why don't you just take this back to St. Ignace until your truck is fixed? So we, we didn't have any downtime, even though the truck was out of commission until Monday morning, and uh, we got it fixed. Uh, that did give us some brand new friends. The folks that run the motel, um, he followed me over to the car dealer Monday morning. On the way back to the motel, he said, do you like coffee? I said, well, yeah. We had the most engaging talk about a number of things, but uh, spiritual needs. And uh, I praise the Lord for uh, what he orchestrated and how he answered prayer. We're, uh, we're delighted with that. First Timothy, chapter 6. Thank you for bearing with me. I think I texted John Edwards in the middle of that, told him we were stranded in St. Ignace, and he said, oh, you're having an adventure vacation. <laughs> I'd say amen. First Timothy chapter 6, I'd like you to follow as I read. I'm going to pick it up in verse 3 and get down through verse 11. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the children that are here today. We just pray that you'd, in a very wonderful way, be with these young people. Father, would you have their hearts and ears attentive to your word? I pray, Father, that the lessons that are taught would be a wonderful encouragement to them as they learn the word. And 
Father, I pray that uh, you might bless in the auditorium as we walk through this passage of Scripture. Father, we, we see some things here that are so needful in our own hearts and lives in our own country. Father, would you, would you give us understanding into the Word? Bless our time as we look in the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a, a word I want to underscore for this particular passage. And the word is godliness. The word godliness is found ten times in the pastoral epistles. If, if you're having a relatively short discussion with somebody and they mention godliness ten times, what do you think they're, uh, what do you think they're saying? It's a point of emphasis, if you please. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we find the word godliness four times, single chapter, four times. Now, what is godliness? Well, the, the Greek word means to be devout or pious. Here's what W.E. Vine says, denotes that piety which is characterized by a Godward attitude and does that which is well-pleasing to him. Another put it this way, godliness is reverence manifested in actions. Reverence. Another one put it this way. Godliness, which is the loving fear of God and being Christ-like. I think all of those attempt to get a handle on this incredible thing, godliness. It's reverence, it's, it's a fear, it's a piety, it's a devotion. Maybe I could say a wholesome reverence. Uh, reverence is a word we often use to mean the fear of God. Now, let me, uh, let me take a detour before we get into to Timothy, <clears throat> just to underscore this idea about the fear of God, would you turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1? I did hear someone say a number of years ago, when a man fears the Lord, he need not, he need not fear anything else. I think that's a good way to put it. Here's the fear of the Lord from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, the psalmist speaks about those who have no fear of God before their eyes in Psalm 36, 1. 
the first four verses of Psalm 36 really um, center on an ungodly person. No fear of God. I have a question. Do you see great evidences of the fear of God across our nation today? If we don't see it, it's because it's probably not there. And that's a terrible position to be in. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if I don't have reverence, what we're told in Proverbs is, I don't have the beginning of knowledge, and I don't have the beginning of wisdom. You haven't even gotten started if you don't first have that reverence, that fear for the Almighty. I will tell you, when I was a little fella, this was a number of years ago, I can remember walking into church and there was a holy hush. Any, any of you remember that? There was a sense of reverence, if you please. I think it's something we need to invest in our kids, and I'll get to that more in just a few minutes. While we're in Proverbs, take a look in Proverbs 10 at verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. On our trip to the North Country, we went from the Keweenaw Peninsula over to Ashland, Wisconsin, to see my wife's 103-year-old aunt who's been a lifelong member of the Baptist church up there. Loves the Lord, sweet spirit. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Is that not incredible? 103? Mary Jean and her sisters-in-law were all similar in age, say, when we grow up, we want to be just like you. I think that that's a neat way to look at it. Somebody that loves the Lord, and they have incredible longevity. Uh, I'm going to mention one more verse before we get back into Timothy. And that's a verse I preached on a, a couple of months ago. It's Malachi chapter 3, at verse 16. We set the stage for the book of Malachi talking about the decline and the difficulty that was happening in Israel. The priests were despising holy things. There was a general disregard of the Almighty. But Malachi gives this great encouragement in Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Boy, what a great encouragement that is. God's keeping track of that, beloved. 
He is mindful of those who have a reverence for him. How vital, how vital that is. Well, let's go back over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll look at this idea of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 6 at verse 3. <clears throat> if any man teach otherwise, uh, one of the other translations says, if anyone teaches false doctrines, and I think that that's a, a legitimate rendering of that, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness. If somebody's listening to the wrong teaching and they're not listening to the Lord Jesus, if somebody's engaging in wrong teaching and they're not giving doctrine teaching according to godliness, that's a a warning that Paul gives Timothy saying there are some consequences to that false doctrine. In other words, there's a real practical side to doctrine which is according to godliness. Let me put it this way. If the doctrine is not according to godliness, what's the result, practically speaking? Let's follow this. He's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Very practical results of wrong teaching. Let's take a couple of these words apart, shall we? Uh, he is proud, knowing nothing, verse 4, but doting. The, the, uh, the Greek word for the word that's translated doting means to be sick. Wait a minute. He's sick? Doting about questions. Some of the newer translations say, a morbid interest in questionings. An interesting word. All they're concerned about is fighting about words. And they're not concerned about growing as Christians. They're not concerned about listening to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think you can see the result of wrong teaching when you look at the life of a church. If they're leaving the word of God, if they're going in the wrong direction, what happens to the lives of their people? Take a look at the list, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Strifes, envy, railings, evil surmisings. I, I think it's abominable what's happening in many of our public schools today. Some of you remember the protest at the library. Uh, that same kind of thing goes on in churches when they turn away from the word of God. Every once in a while, I'll read something about some of the liberal denominations 
and what they've embraced is wicked. It's counter to the Bible. It's perverse. Doctrine, which is according to godliness, is what builds the right kind of Christians, period. We need to be in the book. We need to learn the book. Let's go on a little bit. Paul warns Timothy, from such withdraw thyself. Uh, they suppose that gain is godliness, that somehow uh, this idea of financial gain is a very, very good thing. We'll get into that again in just a minute. Uh, ponder what Paul tells Timothy next. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So we read the parable about the rich man. He tore down his barns and built greater. What did God say to him? Thou fool. This night shall thy soul be required of thee. Uh, I've done hundreds of funerals over the years. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You cannot take it with you. So you know what you ought to do? Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew, chapter 6, at verse 19. Lay not up treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Laying up treasures in heaven. Jesus told the rich young man to go and sell what he had and give to the poor, that he might have treasures in heaven. God using you to meet the needs of others is one way we lay up those treasures. It's a wonderful, wonderful idea. I think God's people are godly when they do that. They have a reverence, they have a piety, they have an understanding. If we're told to be content, what does it take to make us content? And having food and raiment. Some render that covering, but having food and raiment, let us be there with content. In the United States of America, that's probably a hard thing to think about. Were any of you raised to get ahead. I, I, I think most of us had that kind of a mindset growing up. 
uh, we get the idea that we want to be comfortable, you know, accumulate just enough padding, as it were, and we often forget to say, give us this day our daily bread. Having fruit and raiment, let us be there with content. Then his warning to Timothy. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while they, some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The description Paul gives to Timothy here is quite um, stark. I will tell you that there would probably not be um, casinos if there were not the love of money. Now listen, I, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I think it reflects something clearly from the pages of the scripture. Do I love people? Do I love God? Do I love his word more than I love the accumulation of things? I think it's a legitimate question to ask every believer because their snare, uh, a snare, a temptation, many foolish and hurtful lusts. What do those foolish and hurtful lusts do? The King James Bible says they drowned men in destruction and perdition. I understand most of the newer translations use the word plunge, but the, the, the Greek word means to plunge into the depths. That's what it means. Love money. I'm trusting by the grace of God that God's people here have their love in the right order, that they love Jesus first that they love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength, and that they love others as themselves. And if God does bless, and by the way, he, he, there are some rich men in the Bible that were blessed of God. Abraham, Job for a time. Job before and then not during, but after his trial. I think it's wise to take stock on where our heart is in the matter of accumulation of things. Should I tell you what my dad told all of us kids before he passed away? You've heard me, right? All I'm leaving you kids is your good looks and winning personalities. He said that tongue in cheek, but then he got very serious and he said, you take care of your mother. We endeavored to do that. Love of money is the root of all evil. Oh God, give me the right kind of love. A love for you. A love for others for Jesus' sake. 
One more mention of godliness. Chapter 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. What's, what's he to flee? Well, he's to flee doting about questions and strifes of words. He's to flee envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. He's to flee the love of money. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, that's doing right, godliness, piety, reverence, if you please, faith, love, patience, meekness. It's Memorial Day weekend. And I'm trusting you're going to have some memorable times with family. I, I'm trusting that you'll remember those who, in fact, laid down their lives in the defense of our country. But I'm trusting as well that God will give you a perspective on this. If that temptation is there to accumulate wealth, search that out in the Scripture. See what God has to say about that, about your goals in life, as it were. And then, pursue this matter of godliness, piety, reverence, if you please. How we need that in our hearts, how we need it in our churches how we need it in our country. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Oh, Father, I thank you for your word. Would you wonderfully use your word in our hearts and lives today? Thank you for Paul's counsel by your spirit to Timothy. Father, thank you that we have it in our hands and we can read it with our eyes and Seek to appropriate it in our hearts. Father, would you enable the saints that are here to set their priorities right? Father, would you help us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness? I ask, Father, that you'll bless in the, the, the time of invitation, Father, I pray that you might bless these little ones that are yet hearing the word. Would you bless the Vacation Bible School workers meeting? Lord, I pray that you might wonderfully work to draw many to yourself. Thank you, Father. Would you bless in our time of closing now in Jesus' name. Amen.